Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. Patrick Conley, glad to be with you again, along with Cammie Refume, our producer, Paul Sadek, our technical producer, coming to you through the relevant Radio 1330 AM studios in Golden Valley. Well, we as practicing Catholics are familiar with Lent being a season of preparation for Easter with fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. We see all the violet vestments, and it's easy to forget, though, perhaps, that Advent is also a liturgical season of preparation with all the shopping and getting ready for Christmas, family gatherings, and everything else that goes on in this busy month in front of, in the lead up to Christmas. Well, here to help us truly enter into Advent and prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus this year is Father John Ubel, Rector of the Cathedral of St. Paul. Welcome back to Practicing Catholic, Father. Good to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Patrick. I'm delighted to be with you because we're discussing my favorite season of the year. That's right. So I, I I remember this from back when you and I worked together, Father, and uh, uh, I'm just curious, maybe you can tell our listeners too, how does Advent become your favorite liturgical season of the year? Well, it's a good question. You shouldn't talk to the liturgists because I know they would disagree with me and say that, that Easter is, and they're, they're <laughs> certainly correct. But I, I, I think it goes back to my childhood, to be perfectly honest. We had some interesting ways of uh, preparing for Christmas when I was growing up. And a couple of things that, that stood out to me, we always had the Advent calendar, and there was always a piece of candy with each day. And so that was always fun to, to unfold that and see who got the piece of candy. There was the uh, putting out of the creche and to see who was able to find baby Jesus or all wrapped up in all the different pieces. And then every year on December 6th, the Feast of St. Nicholas, we received a Christmas tree ornament at the dinner table. And the idea was, wow. by the time you move out someday, you're going to have enough to start your own uh, your own tree. And I remember one year, the, the theme was yarn uh, figurines, and mine was a, a choir boy. And then another year, there were wood carvings, and mine was a Franciscan monk. And so I think my mother was trying to tell me something. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, it's a little early on hints in that direction there. And you're already sharing some great Advent ideas and traditions on how to honor it. But, Father, I do want to ask, so... As, uh, as these traditions were, were st- established for you early on in your life, um, have, what's Advent like as a priest for you? I mean, what has it meant now that you're, that you're serving the people of God in, in the role and office of a priest? Has Advent become even more meaningful in some ways? Well, it's certainly become uh, more meaningful. It's also become a bit more frenetic because <laughs> well, there's so yeah. much that's going on. Uh, during this this season, we're we're trying to get ready for the for the major feasts. We're trying to get the church clean. Lots of extra uh, confessions. We're, we're particularly blessed at the cathedral with long confessional lines to begin with, mm-hmm. and so all that comes together to make it a really challenging season in which to do exactly what you said in your intro about waiting and watching. It, mm-hmm. it, it I find every year it's it's a battle royale, and oftentimes I lose. Right, right. Well, I, in that regard, I think you have a, a lot in common with a lot of us, uh, of a lot of us laity as well, because there are similar things, of course, preparations that we're making for uh, Christmases at home, welcoming family members, getting food ready and, and decorations and all that sort of thing going on. But um, in the midst of all this frenetic, as you put it, activity, what is the, how do, how do we honor the, the anticipation? How do we keep watch well? So I'll give you a little inside baseball, Patrick. I always wait to see um, the first time that somebody mentions Merry Christmas to me, wishes me a Merry Christmas. I always mark down the date, which is terrible okay. to, to say. But the more that we can delay that, 
the better, even though I completely understand it. I'm not, I'm not offended by it, but there, there are times when it's been as early as, uh, say, December 1st. I think that's the earliest I've heard it. That's 25 days <laughs> early. So I think right. one thing we could do is, is just hold off on, on that to be sure. But, uh, but another thing is, you know, rather than fix your, your gaze on the dessert tray, we've got Thanksgiving coming up. Rather than do that, you know, turn towards the manger, the, the empty manger, and, and do the watching and waiting and think about that. I, I do yeah. think that the, the shopping has probably dissipated somewhat with everyone doing things online right now. And so because, because of that, uh, I think it makes it a little bit easier. We're not rushing out as much. But I think the best advice I could give is, is to try to stay a little closer to home during these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great great uh, thing to do, especially as we're as we're watching and waiting and and preparing our hearts. Now, you already mentioned Saint Nicholas's feast day on December the sixth, and uh, that's a great way of of honoring the season as well, but uh, having a bit of celebration in the midst of our watching and waiting. And of course, we have Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent as well. Anything special that we should do on Gaudete Sunday, or any advice on how to celebrate that well? I think, and this is totally my, my own personal thing, but I think setting up the creche on Gaudete Sunday is a great idea at home. Obviously, you leave baby Jesus out, but it's something you can do as, as you move closer towards uh, Christmas to begin that anticipation. And visually, it's important to have that. I've never felt that you, we need to wait until Christmas Day to see a, a creche, because that longing can be there without the presence of the baby Jesus. So I, I would certainly encourage that on those days. But also, and this is what something, I'll be honest, I didn't really appreciate until after I was ordained, and that is that there is a tradition of some fasting. It's not the same thing mm-hmm. as Lent, obviously, but a modified fast. And so one thing I tried to anticipate was by the time we begin that week before the O antiphons, which I know you love so so much, yep, absolutely, um, uh, no candy, no nuts, no dessert. I, I really go hardcore in that last week, and I've done that the last few years, and I think it's made a tremendous difference spiritually to have that uh, to to force me not to anticipate, but also to that feeling of hunger to to long for the Lord, the coming of the Lord. Right. Right. Yeah, and maybe just okay to offer the 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 flip side of that, or the argument that maybe perhaps a lot of people, and uh, I will, I'll leave it up to your own imagination whether I'm actually making this argument for myself or not, Father. But but is that you know everybody uh, was certainly in the secular world, um, in our workplaces, and perhaps family members who aren't religiously affiliated, that sort of thing. They're having their Christmas parties in December, you know, leading right. up to Christmas rather than after that. So. The idea of fasting, of of cutting out, you know, uh, chocolate or rich foods or alcohol or something like that, leading up to Christmas, it. I mean, in some ways, it seems almost like a bigger sacrifice in Advent than it is in Lent. Any response well, to that? Oh no, it's absolutely true. And I, and I again, I completely acknowledge that reality, and and I don't necessarily believe that we have to go against it 100% and, and avoid any kind of gatherings before. This mm-hmm. is the reality. We, we generally don't keep up our crash until February 2nd, like some European countries do. We were long <laughs> since done with, with Christmas by then. So you have to understand that we're living in the world, even if we're not of the world. So I, I, I acknowledge that um, fully, but at the same time, I, just, I think it's important for us to challenge each other uh, to try to hold back too much, uh, anticipating the joy uh, of the season. I mean, it goes all the way back to the 5th century, Advent. 
Um, and there was a, always a penitential aspect to it. And I don't think we can lose that in the midst of everything else. Right. And we see that reflected, of course, in the wearing of the violet vestments and right. yeah, the, the things that we see. Right. The Gloria, yeah. the Gloria is omitted yep. uh, during, uh, during Advent as another example. So just right. little ways. It's not exactly the same. And even the, the general norms for the liturgical year mention that uh, the omission of glory is not for the exact same reasons as it was during Lent, but rather mm-hmm. that on the night of Christmas, the angel song they ring out you know, that much more gloriously mm-hmm. to be able to hear it. So there are good reasons for all that. Right, right. All right, you brought them up previously, Father, but I have to. I have. We have to spend at least a couple minutes talking about the O antiphons. Explain to us again what the O antiphons are. Well, the O antiphons are, are begin on December seventeenth, and for the for that entire final week before Christmas, each day at the evening prayer of the church and vespers, a different O antiphon is used, and they all have rich historical meanings uh, in the church. And they obviously form the basis of the hymn, my favorite Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And so each day is, is just another verse of that hymn. And it's just it's that final push uh, before all the different titles uh, of the, the longed-for Messiah uh, throughout the Scriptures. And so it's just it's a wonderful opportunity to, to enter into the Old Testament, uh, the longing for the coming of Messiah, and then, of course, He comes on Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a wonderful tradition. I, I there's something about them that when I first discovered them, I thought there is something profoundly beautiful and just a, a, for me anyway. I'm not sure. I'm sure that this is what they were designed to do, but I it really resonates with this uh, this anticipation as we're coming up into that, making that last uh, that last push, as it were, into Christmas. As we're you know we're we're getting our eyes are getting heavy and uh, we're getting tired as we're watching for Jesus and that sort of thing, and yet it just fills you with such great anticipation as you as you make your way through the O antiphons. You mentioned music, Father, and uh, perhaps that's one more thing we could just mention here is that, you know, again, um, you know, that another thing to keep track of, not just when the first person to wish you a Merry Christmas is, but when's the first time you hear a Christmas song in some sort of retail shop or no. on the radio, <laughs> exactly. right? But exactly. the church in her, I mean, in her just sensitivity to the season has some great Advent music as well, doesn't she? Oh, absolutely. And there's some beautiful hymns, and I love them so much that part of me wants to sing them more often, but at the right. same time, they're that much more meaningful when we only sing them uh, during Advent. And so there's some rich historical hymns uh, in the Church, and I just really encourage all the parishes to, to look through those and, and never, again, to anticipate with Christmas music, for heaven's sakes, <laughs> to do mm-hmm. that. But I'll just add one other thing, if I may, really quickly, Please, and that is yes. with, with COVID and all that's been going on, there, there's another area of a little bit of hesitation, I think, amongst some priests. We're probably all expecting the largest crowds we've had in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And all that that means, we've, we've established protocols at the cathedral, like every parish has. We always have a lot of visitors at the cathedral. How are they going to respond to that? How are we going to handle the different crowds? So there's that as well, and I think just spiritually speaking, it's important to try to trust in the Lord that it's all going to work out. We hope to have big crowds, um, but we hope to be able to handle them safely and effectively as well. Right, right. Well, and we are grateful for that. We know that, uh, well, part of the shepherding the people of God is looking after our physical needs, and and, uh, that that's part of the... 
that's part of the deal as well, especially during the season of Advent when, let's be honest, this is a time when a lot of people's hearts and minds, in even if just in the smallest way, are directed in a divine pathway. And uh, it's, it's good for us. It's good for us to respond well and to be welcoming as we can and assuring of people as we can that the Lord is present. Well, Father, it's always a joy to speak with you, especially around such a great topic as Advent. I'm wondering if you might leave us with your blessing before we let you go. Absolutely, and thank you so much for for having me on today. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father John Ubel, thank you so much for joining us from the cathedral, and we are we will be praying for you that you have a, a safe and wonder-filled Advent season. Thank you, Father. God bless. Thank you, Patrick. All right. Okay, we're going to take our final break. Stick around, though, because Paul and I will be sharing some more ideas about how to make this Advent, this new liturgical year, fantastic. Stay with us. Hi, this is Kelly. I'm leaving this message for Bishop Cousins. I heard him at a confirmation, and he said, if you don't find out what our Lord wants you to do and then fulfill it, it will be left undone. And that struck me. That's why I did this Spirit and Sport, why I've done this teammate talk across 12 states. It's because Bishop Cousins put that message in my heart, and that's one that I want to put back in his heart, that as he goes to Crookston, he may fulfill everything the Lord wants him to do.